This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Welcome this morning. As storm warriors, we know a thing or two about storms. We've seen some pretty violent tornadoes, storms of life, and we've experienced God's restoration through all of them. And so this morning, we're going to share with you a little bit about the storms that we chase and a lot about the storm that almost took our marriage. So yes, we're storm chasers. So we're that crazy family that goes out and follows these violent storms, hurricanes and tornadoes. And, you know, we have a very clear mission about what we do and why we do it. But at the end of the day, it's really all about people helping families navigate the storms of life. So, so we're storm chasers. So we've been doing this for a very long time. And uh, Danielle's been a part of this with me. And the whole family over time has been kind of pulled into this thing. And it's what we do. Yeah, sometimes we tell people that he romanced me under the rotation. But really, he really just sucked me into his home storm addiction. And as I look back, we chased tornadoes in a Honda Civic with a little radio that he called a scanner, but it looked more like a walkie-talkie to me. And I think, who was more stupid, the one who wanted to chase the storms or the one that followed him into them? It's crazy, right? I mean, why would you do that? People ask all the time, you know, why do you do what you do? Well, you know, as the story began, I was in Wichita, Kansas. I was going to school there, and there was this storm out west of town. It was a massive what I now know is an updraft uh, was being created and then big anvil over the top of that thing. And it just caught me. I wanted to go see it. So I drove my car out there by a little Honda Accord, you know, trying to get out there. And I thought it was going to take me about 30 minutes, an hour and a half later, I'm underneath this amazing rotating column of air and there's lightning and there's thunder and there's hail and there's inflows, there's outflows. I began to witness a wall cloud developing and then this Uh, This funnel started to come down, and I was hooked. I was captivated by weather. I mean, from that moment on, all I wanted to do was be on the storm. I wanted to follow it wherever, wherever there was a storm. I wanted to go follow it. I loved weather. But what changed my life was in 1999, I was going to a business meeting in western Oklahoma. Um, It was a town called Weatherford. And I knew it was a bad storm day, so uh, I was ready for this. I wanted to go see whatever was going to develop. And I got out of my meeting around lunchtime, and I just bolted east because there was a, a storm that was developing, uh, and initiation time had begun. And so I saw the storm developing, and I raced, and I raced, and I finally caught up to this, this storm. And this particular storm was massive. It was huge, and, and uh, it ended up putting down a incredible, what we now know is an F5 tornado that went through Moore, Oklahoma, Bridge Creek, and Dell City. And uh, it was a, a very ugly, destructive, devastating storm. But at that moment, I just, all I knew was to follow the storm and just stay with the storm. And I, I was driving through the debris that the storm had put down, and I found myself in the middle of this community, this neighborhood. And there was debris everywhere, and I was stuck. I couldn't go any further because of all the debris. And so I turned my car around because what I wanted to do was go get back on the storm. And then I saw it. As I was trying to get out of this community, there were families that were coming out from the rubble, literally digging themselves out, and they were standing around, and they were looking at me. I was in in the car, and, 
and they were covered in mud and they were covered in blood. And I really felt like they were asking me a question. Why are you here? What are you gonna do? Can you help us? And it gripped me because I had no tools, I had no training, I had no equipment, I had nothing to offer these families. And it hurt me so deeply and I got out from the rubble and I found a road and I found another road and I finally got on the highway and I drove all the way back to Fort Worth, Texas and I literally cried all the way home. I walked into the house and I told Danielle, I said, you know, I'll never do it like this again. I could tell he'd been crying for quite a while and he was just broken because he was unequipped. Now, I had stayed home from the storm. Our kids were very little at the time, and it just didn't seem appropriate to put a car seat into the chase vehicle. (laughs) And so when he came home, we, we had a plan. We started planning from that moment to begin equipping ourselves. So whether we could put blankets, water, flashlights into the car to help the victims, or maybe we needed to get equipped ourselves, and we went to first aid classes, we learned search and rescue, and we really became equipped so that we could help people coming out of a storm. So that was an incredible change in my life. The next storm that changed my life was the 2004, what I call the EF5 tornado that hit Parker County. And in 2004, if you go back and you look at the National Weather Service maps, there's not a tornado that showed up in 2004 in Parker County. Certainly not an EF5, but that EF5 was the tornado that hit my house that you couldn't see on radar. You really couldn't physically see the debris, but all around me was debris. I was in a storm. I was in a storm of my my life. And in 2004, the storm had really just begun. And I was so incredibly in this bondage of my storm and it affected everything around me. I mean, there there was debris everywhere. My marriage was in trouble. My marriage was hurting. I was hurting, she was hurting, my kids were hurting, people around me, everybody around me got caught up in my storm. And the storm lasted for five years. For five years, I stayed in the storm. You know, most storms that we chase, we follow them, and then when the the funnel drops down, it's called a funnel, and when it touches the ground, it becomes a tornado, and it lasts just a few minutes and does a lot of damage. Sometimes, They're called long track tornadoes, and they stay down on the ground for a long time, maybe miles and maybe hours. But there's always an end to the storm, and there's always a rainbow following the storm. So when we found ourselves in that storm of life and it was just swirling around us, we couldn't see past the storm. The debris was just cluttered all around our family, and it lasted five years. But the Lord could see the end of our storm. He was there. He wasn't in the storm, but he was with us. He was there all along. But I I didn't know how to cry out to him at the time. So I had this need and this hunger for freedom. I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I didn't know what freedom meant. I'd heard that word several times. And in fact, we were going to church and we were involved in our church. And I heard this word about freedom, but I didn't know what freedom was. I didn't even know how bad I needed freedom but I so desperately needed something different. So why are we here today? Because you don't have to look very far around you to see that families are in a storm. In fact, if you look into our inner cities right now, that 60% of our kids will wake up to fatherless homes. Marriages are falling apart inside the church and outside the church. They're struggling. 
there's a culture that's telling us something that's a lie. And we've begun to believe it. And it's infecting and affecting every family around us. We see our kids making no commitment to the covenant of marriage. And they're moving in together. And we see the epidemic of babies being born that have no covenant of marriage, no example of what they're supposed to look like as they grow up. So families are fractured and they're broken and they're in a storm. But here's what we know. That for all of this, there's a storm coming. In fact, you may be in a storm right now. Your family, your marriage, relationships may be in a storm. You may have a financial issue that's your storm today. You may have a health issue that's your storm today. Families face storms, we know that. You may have just come out of a storm and you're trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces of your life and go from that brokenness to wholeness that Jesus has for every family and every marriage and every situation. It's true. Our mission as storm warriors is to warn families of the coming storms and then to assist them in the middle of the storm and following the storm. But what our prayer is, is that they see complete restoration. And in the physical storms, many times we're allowed to go back and help with that restoration. And we can also do that in the storms of life. Because when God restores something, he doesn't just take you back to where you were. He takes you back to where he always intended you to be. So before we go further in this story, you know, Pastor Tommy and his beautiful wife, Denor, I mean, they use this word and I hear it a lot. I've heard it even today, receive, receive. So I want you to receive this even before we go further, that we were created as a family to live differently. We were created as a family to live in God's abundance. We were never created to live in brokenness. We were always created to live in wholeness. And so we need to receive that right now. We need to receive that God has something for each one of us because we were all created to live in destiny for our family and for our marriage individually. God has something more for us. And so the truth is, and our truth is, and our story is, we had settled for less when God always had more. And so that's what I want you to receive today is that God has more for your family, more for your marriage, more for your story, more for your relationships, more for your health, more for your finances. He's got more. The power and authority that we have through the Holy Spirit to speak this into existence is for all of us. Every family, every marriage, every situation, it belongs to us. God created families to live abundantly. From the very beginning, God intended families to be the answer to all the storms, all the problems that he knew would come. So when you think about this man named Gideon of the Bible, I mean, what do we think about? What do you think about when you hear the word, the name Gideon? Well, I know I've never been to a hotel that didn't have a Gideon Bible, right? So he must have a great namesake. He must have been a pretty great guy. Yeah, he was. He was, he was a mighty man. There's no question. But his story didn't start out that way. Right. Gideon was in a storm. 
His whole family was in a storm. In fact, his whole nation was a storm, was in a storm. Can you guys relate to that? So we want to talk this morning just a little bit about his story. And it's found in Judges chapter 6. And if you want to turn there, I'll give you just a second because I think it's interesting that you could sum up the whole book of Judges with one word. Again. Again and again and again, the Israelites didn't do what pleased the Lord. And they found themselves in a storm. And that's where we pick up the story in Judges 6 with Gideon's family. It reads, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel and no sheep or ox or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts. The number of both their camels and them could not be counted. So they laid waste to the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. You know, when you're in a storm, there's an enemy. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he certainly come to attack the family and to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, not only was he attacking Gideon's family, but he was attacking the nation of Israel. And they laid low in understanding. They laid low in spirit. They laid low because they were oppressed by an enemy. And sometimes when in our storm, we lay low because the storm engulfs us, engulfs our life, takes our very breath away, whatever the storm is. And we don't know how to get from here to there. But what did Gideon do? What did the Israelite people do? They cried out to the Lord. Their victory began with crying out to the Lord. Scripture tells us that if the Lord says that if you will return to me, I will return to you, says the Lord our God. So he cried out to the Lord. In the midst of my storm, I cried out to the Lord. In fact, I want to tell you this, that I had brought so much chaos into our home, so much hurt into our home because of all the things that I was dealing with. I was really crying out for help, but in a very unhealthy way. What I needed was to cry out to the Lord. And it finally broke in me. I came home late one night. I had been entertaining like I did in the corporate world. I had people coming in all the time from, very, from different places. And, and I would entertain them. And I came home late one night. And I had hurt her for a very long time. And so my storm became her storm. This is our story. We tell this story together because this is our story. It's really God's story of redemption. And so I came home that night and I took my suit off and I climbed into bed and the moon was shining into our bedroom and it kind of went across the pillows and I saw Danielle's face and she was laying there and her eyes were open as I climbed into bed and she just looked at me. She didn't say a word. 
And I saw this tear well up in her eye and it rolls across her nose, across her cheek and falls into the pillow. And I knew how bad I'd hurt her. And I got out of bed and I fell on the floor and I literally cried out to the Lord. I mean, you could have heard me for blocks around, from blocks around. I cried out to the Lord. I screamed, Lord, would you come? I screamed, Lord, would you change my circumstance? I've been doing this all by myself and I don't even know how to do anything else. So I need you to come into my circumstance. I need you to come into my storm to rescue me from the pit that I was in. And I'd brought my family in and so many relationships around me. The forgiveness, the restoration, as we say the rainbow story, I didn't know at the time, but it was already done. It was already finished. The Lord needed me to do is to stop looking at the storm, but to look up at the cross and to see him. And so that night, as amazing as it is, that this beautiful woman, this beautiful woman of excellence got on the floor and I felt her arm go across my shoulders. And she began to cry out to the Lord with me because she knew where the battle was. In fact, Danielle told me later, I, I said, how did, how did you do that? I mean, where did that come from? You know, how could you do that to a man that hurt you so deeply? She said, Bill, I knew that you weren't the enemy. I knew who the enemy was. And I was waiting for that moment, Bill, for you to get on your knees. And our victory story began in that moment as we cried out to the Lord, just like the Israelite people. And so what happens? As the Lord says, I'll return to you if you return to me. When I return to the Lord, I'm telling you, he showed up in my storm like he's going to show up in your storm wherever you're at. He's going to show up and something's going to happen. It's already happened. But you're going to be able to see some things that happen in your storm when you take it to the Lord. You know, God really did show up that night. And we did realize that he'd been with us all along. And he's there to show up in your life. And we know that because of the stories that are in the Bible of him showing up for the people. And as we read on, he showed up in a big way for the nation of Israel. So when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And he said, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. And I delivered you from the land of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice or you have not listened to me. So what he was telling them is he wasn't telling them that you have to obey It wasn't a a command that he was telling them. What he was saying is, you didn't obey my voice. I was telling you who you were. I was telling you that I am your God and I am with you. And those gods, those Amorite gods, small g, they aren't to be feared by you. And they aren't going to help you out of this storm. Only I can help you out of the storm. 
And that's exactly what we had to do. We had to go back in and we had to tear down the gods that we had put in our lives because only God could see us through our storm. So the Israelite people forgot who they were. They forgot how they got to the place that they were. And so as you'll see, so, you know, we forget that even in the midst of our storm that the Lord has already blessed us. He's already given us so many blessings in our life and we forget to count those out because all we see is the storm in front of us. We forget to see that the Lord has brought us so many victories and brought us through so many things. He's already given us so many things and put them in our hands. He's blessed us in so many ways and we fail to see what the Lord has done and we forget who we are. And so the Lord is reminding the Israelite people and then he's getting getting ready to tell one man that you can save a nation. But before he saves a nation, he's going to save a marriage and he's going to save a family. Now, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abirasite, while his son Gideon was bleeding out the wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. He's hiding. You're supposed to thresh wheat out on the open where the wind can help you. And he's in a pit where they used to just stomp the grapes so that the Midianites don't find the wheat that he's been able to harvest. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord be with you, O mighty man of valor. O mighty man of valor? Are you kidding? Where is Gideon? But you see, God sees us the way he created us to be. So he didn't see this scared little man in the wine press. But he saw Gideon, the mighty warrior. And Gideon said, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds our fathers recounted us saying, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And again, Gideon says, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign. Show me a sign. So do you know what oppression looks like? Oppression looks like that story. He's hiding in a cave. He's in isolation. Woe is me. Look at all the bad things that have happened. I'm focused on the storm. That's all that I can see. I'm unworthy. I am the least of these. So Gideon even says, he says, I am the least of my family. My family is the least of the tribes of Israel. Who are we? And what the Lord says to every one of us, he calls us by name and then he calls us mighty men and mighty women of valor, a warrior. You are worthy. And am I not with you? So we've got to believe before we can receive. So we have to believe that the Lord is with us, that he's given us everything that we need to face the battle. 
The victory is already won. In fact, I'm going to tell you that your rainbow story already exists. You know, the physical rainbow, we think that we have to see a storm before we see the rainbow. Now, in almost every case to see a rainbow, there has to be some sort of precipitation. In fact, some of the most beautiful things that we've seen have come after a storm. We've been on violent storm chases and the, the storm's beginning to, um, to just kind of die out. And, and as we're kind of taking a breath because the storm is over, there's been times when I've been driving and I've stopped the truck with the whole team in it and I said, get out, get out. And they're like, what, what? I said, turn around and look. A magnificent rainbow across the sky. Sometimes a double rainbow across the sky. But you know, that rainbow is already there. We can't see it with our naked eye because it takes these water vapor, vapors, these water crystals. And when they get displayed in the right atmosphere, they display the colors that already exist, that God has already put in the atmosphere. And so that rainbow already exists. Your rainbow story already exists wherever you're at in your storm. God is already working through that. He's with you. He's contending for you. He's gone beyond the storm in your life and he's got something better for you because he says that I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the earth, I am with you. And so one of the things I learned as a storm chaser coming out of some very violent storms, very violent, one storm in particular, I came home and I walked in the house, I said, I'm done, I'll never do it again. The storm was so, so violent, it was a 2.6 mile wide tornado. So the chaser became the chased, I ran for my life, I was scared because you know, I had nowhere to go, the storm took a wrong turn, it was just a, it was an experience that was horrifying. I looked up in that storm and it was horrible. And I went home and said, I'm done. And a revelation that the Lord gave me was I was never in that storm. I was never in that violence and that destruction. I was with you. I was leading you out of the storm. I was showing you that there, the way out. I was with you. And didn't you not hear me in that quiet, still voice as I, turned, as I told you to turn left when you wanted to turn right? Did I not tell you that there was a way out of this storm? I was with you. I wasn't in that storm. You know, we coach a lot of families, we coach a lot of marriages, and one of the things that we see is that we get stuck in our storm. And I just wanna bring this to all of our attention. And if this is for you, then I'd like for you to receive it. And then I'd like for you to take action and to deal with it. Because I really believe, as we've talked to so many people in crisis, that we are who we are because of one of three things. Sometimes it's our past that we need to get free from. Sometimes it's the stuff that happened to us that we're still, we're still mourning over and we need to get free from it. Sometimes it's the baggage that you know, claimed hold of us and we allowed that to claim hold of us and it's still attached to us in so many ways and we need to rip it off and we need to get free because Jesus just didn't die to save us. He died to set us free, free from the world, free from the bondage and we have the power and authority to be free but it takes brothers and sisters to come around us, to walk this out, to walk into the freedom that we need. You know, I love this house. I love this church. One of the pillars of this church is freedom, 
to be free, to live as free men and women, to be, to be free in the name of Jesus. It's a pillar here. They want it for everybody here because in that freedom, you will learn to live abundantly. The second thing is, is that sometimes we have a bad view of who we are. And that was my story. When I looked in the mirror, all I saw was the condemnation that I continued to pour over me and on my own head. I began to speak the words of the enemy over myself. As the enemy was speaking to me and say, you're not worthy. Don't you remember your past? Don't you remember what your dad did? Don't you remember those things your mom said to you? Don't you remember the divorces that you went through that you'll never mount up to anything? Don't you remember? You're not worthy. And I believe that for so many years and it's a lie. And if anybody, if the enemy's speaking that over to you today, it's a lie. I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, it's a lie. Because you were created Worthy, you were created sanctified, set apart, holy. He adores you. And he's contending for your greatest outcome in your life today in your story. He sees you as a loving father. He sees you as a son and a daughter, as a child of God. Jesus says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And the third part is sometimes we have the wrong view of the father. You know, when we see the father, for me, I saw a father as a, as a, as a judgment over my life because I grew up with a father that was judgment over my life. And so I saw the father with the wrong lens. What I needed to see was who he was and understand why he sent his son, Jesus, because Jesus came to represent and represent the love of God. So he says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no judgment. It's finished. What happened on the cross, it's done. It's finished. Whatever your story is, whatever your mistakes are, however you missed the mark, whatever that looks like in your life, whatever your story is, it's finished. You are free. Receive it. Believe it. I came here to do that for everyone. I came here to do that for the world. And I came here... And I didn't do a single thing my father didn't tell me to do. I didn't say a single thing that my father didn't tell me to say. And I do these things because I want you to know who the heavenly father is. So if you know me, you'll know him. If you know him, you'll know me. He's not a God of judgment over your life. He's not like Danielle says, he's not that whack-a-mole father when he's waiting for you to mess up so he can you know, whack you on the head every time you mess up. That's not who he is. We've got to get the right view of our heavenly father. We have the right view, we get the right perspective, things change. That's what's so important about this family as we do life together with one another. We learn to get the right perspective. We, we, we get fed the right way. We understand the truth and we get to speak the lies out of existence and we get to speak into existence the things that matter. These words, the word of life, the bread of life, we get to intake that. And that's what happened for Gideon's family. In fact, we all, know, we all remember the story where he tests God. He wants to make sure, is God really who he says he is? And sometimes we look down on Gideon for that. I've done it. We've done it. I'm sure many of you have done it. And you know what? God has an answer for every question. He's bigger than any test we can lay down before him. And he was bigger than the fleecing that Gideon needed 
to understand who his father was and how his father saw him. So we're going to skip down because there's something very important that Gideon had to do in order to save his family and his country. And that night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is behind it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men in the town to do it by day, he did it by night. When the men of the town rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down and the Asherah beside it was cut down and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. And they said to one another, who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, bring out your son that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, will you contend for Baal or will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning if he is a god. Let him contend for himself, because it was his altar that was broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon became called Jerubbaal. That is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he is the one that broke down the altar. Gideon had to return to his family, and although he didn't think he was brave at the time, he still obeyed the Lord and cut down the altar's of the idols that had built, been built by his family. So before God's going to save a nation, he's going to save a family. He's going to save a marriage. You know, and I think he's calling the church. He's calling families today to go back into our households and tear down the idols that we've built for ourselves and to take a stand that says that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For me and my house. And when you think of what that scripture says, he's not talking about the house, the physical house. He's talking about the household of, the name of, the lineage of, whatever your name is inserted there. So the household of your name, whoever lives there, whoever comes there, whoever visits there, whoever serves there, whoever comes into my household, we will serve the Lord. And anything that is not of the Lord, we will tear down those idols and we will burn them and we will throw them out and we will deal with those because what belongs in our house is only of the Lord's. And it took a man like Gideon to be called out and say, will you be that man? You already have everything that you need. Church, because of what happened at the cross, we have the power and authority to go into our own homes, to go back into our own homes and to take power and authority over everything, every realm that exists, over the realms of our family, over the realms of our marriage, over the things that have come against us. Anywhere the enemies come in, we have the authority to speak into existence to stop the enemy's attacks. And moms and dads, church, this starts with us. This starts with our families. If we're gonna change the culture, we've gotta change the family. We've gotta change the foundation. God spoke family into existence. God created marriage for a reason and for a purpose. He created us to bring heaven to earth today. 
If we're waiting to die to go to heaven, we're waiting too long. Salvation doesn't begin the day you die. Salvation begins the day you believe. Because when you believe, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to change the outcome, to change the realms that you live in, that you work in, to change your family for generations. When I accepted the Lord that day and his promise for me, he spoke into me and says, Bill, I will allow you, if you be obedient and obey my voice, I'll allow you to see a change in four generations in your lifetime. Four generations. But I want to tell you today that he's already fulfilled the promise. Now, before you do the math, we're not old enough to have great-grandchildren. We do have five children and five wonderful grandchildren. But when the Lord restored our family and gave us the tools that we needed to help other families, he allowed that blessing to flow back into the generation before that. And I saw a change in my own mother's heart for the Lord. You know, it's, it's just hard for me to sit here and not just tell you how excited we are to be able to speak a word into families. So we're the most unlikely authors, teachers uh, on parenting and, and in marriage, but you know, but God. So he came in and he restored our family and, and he showed us something and gave us something that we never thought we could ever see in our lifetime, a marriage that I never knew existed. I never knew this intimacy was even available. But the Lord said that I'm gonna show you some things that You've always wanted all your life, and I'm going to lead you into that, and he did. And he wants that for every family and for every marriage, and it's true. God's truth, God's promises are true. I want us to receive that. I want us to claim that. I don't want to leave here today without claiming that over our families and our marriages. I don't want to leave here today if you've got a doubt about that. Because if you have a doubt about it, all I can tell you is that look at what God's done. Look at what he's done. The reason we sit up here, it takes courage to tell your story with your whole heart. And so we're an encourager, which means that we want to cause courage into God's family to be able to tell your story with your own heart because your story matters. Wherever you're at in your story, it doesn't matter. It's okay. Whatever your family looks like, whatever the form of your family is, if you're a single mom, single dad, if you guys are blended, if you guys are however your family, whatever your family is, you're still a family. And, is, and as a family, you still have the same power and the same authority. It doesn't matter. You are a family. And so don't look at yourself. Don't look at your family and think that you're anything less. Than, and God's promises are true for you. And God gives you the same power and authority, single mom, single dad, that he gives any married couple. Don't think less of yourself. You have the same power and authority. Would you please receive that today? So I think that because the storms are going to come and and, and because we do a lot of marriage and, and parenting type workshops, we say to parents that it would not be wise for us to think that a storm is not going to come and our kids won't experience storms because they will. So we've got to prepare them for the storm that will come. And there's three things that we can do to prepare our families. There's three things that we can do to put a battle plan together, to be a warrior when the storm comes. Number one, we talked about a little bit, but we have to have the right perspective. So the teaching that happens here and the relationships that happen here, the small groups that happen here, they're all very intentional. 
so we can deal with the things of the past, so we can get the right perspective as to who we are. We can see the Father for who he truly is and receive that in our life. That's number one. Number two, a warrior takes the battle to the enemy. And so at the point where the Israelite people got on their knees, what they really decided to do was to pick up their swords. And a warrior takes the battle to the enemy. They pick up their swords. And I think that the Israelite people, like I did, I forgot how to use my sword. It was very heavy and, and, and I, I couldn't pick it up the right way and, and I couldn't fight with it right. But the Lord lifted up my arms and he strengthened me and he showed me and he equipped me to be able to use that sword effectively. So we've got to take the battle to the enemies. We've got to go back into our own homes and we've got to change the outcome. We've got to be intentional in our marriage. We've got to be intentional in our parenting. We've got to be intentional in being that man and woman of God. You already are a man of God. You already are a woman woman of excellence. You already are that. That's how he sees you. That's how he saw Gideon. Receive that today. You already are that. So now step up into it, pick up your swords, and let's take the battle of the enemy. Because if we're passive, the enemy will come and kill, steal, and destroy. But if we fight the battle like a warrior does, we will win this battle for our families. We'll win it for our marriages. We'll win it for our cities. And we'll win it for our country. And we'll win it for for the world. We have the power and authority to do that. God created families to do just that, to bring his love and his grace and his mercies to the rest of the world. He does that through family. He does that through marriages. Number three, expect victory. Expect victory right now in your story. Expect victory right now, whatever your story is, whatever your storm is, wherever you're at, expect victory because the victory is yours. The victory is already won. And we say that term sometimes and we don't take it in personally. We don't receive it personally, but your victory has already been won. It's already done. So let's pick up our swords and let's go fight this battle and win this victory. I I told this to Danielle one time. I said, you know what? If I'm not willing to fight for the next generation, if I'm not willing to fight for my kids, if I'm not willing to look into the eyes of my children and say, you're worth fighting for, I don't know what is. To me, what I get to break off, what's happened generationally, all that stuff, that I, all that baggage, I get to break that off so the, re- so the next generation, the generations after me can live a different life than I did. We have the power and ability to do that. That's worth fighting for. You know, because we do a lot of search and rescue, we have a lot of different tools. And I want to talk to you just for a moment as we close up. I want to talk to you about this flashlight. This flashlight is one of many lights that we use, and really this flashlight as it sits here is it's pr- pretty ineffective. It can just sit here, and I can hold it, and, you know, if it's dark and I need to go rescue a family out of the rubble, it doesn't help me if I just carry it around. The enemy, enemy wants to keep whatever's in the dark. He wants to keep it in the darkness. Wherever you're at in your story, whatever's bound you up, whatever's holding you back, whatever lie you've believed, whatever is out there that has caused you to be hide in the cave, to stay where you're at, whatever that is, we got to turn the light on. We got to turn the light on. And I'm telling you today, for some families that are sitting in here, today's that day. Today's the day for you to turn the light on your story 
because there's no condemnation in this church. Nobody's gonna hold anything over your head. There's not a story out there that we haven't heard and Pastor Tommy, Pastor Lyle and families and you know, there is no story that we haven't heard. And wherever you're at, it's okay. Turn the light on your story. Bring light into the darkness. And, and, And let this body of strong believers that believe in the power and authority help you receive the power and authority that you already have to walk out of the darkness and walk into the light because this belongs to you. You're right. It is okay to be wherever you are. But you know what? It's not okay to stay there. And when you shine the light on it, it allows other people to come in, come into your storm and help you out of it and help you find that restoration that God intends for you. When we come up on a storm, we don't just sit there and say, oh, look, they had a storm. They're a mess. No. And that's not what your family at Calvary Church is going to do. When we end up in a storm and find a way out of the storm, we want to help every family find that restoration story. We want to bring every family out of that storm and say, look at the beautiful rainbow. You know what that rainbow is? It's really a sign of what God was doing during your storm. He has a rainbow story. So as we close up here, and Pastor, just love for you to come up when you're ready and just, you know, close us out. I just want to tell you that uh, uh, I want to thank you for being here and being present. I want to thank you for if you did this mentally or physically today that you picked up your sword and began to fight this battle for your family. I want to thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Awesome.